Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate you joining me, giving me a little bit of your time and effort, energy. I know you have so many things pulling you in different directions. Holidays, family, some good, some bad, and so I'm grateful that you're here. I hope it's something you look forward to. I certainly do, and I'm very grateful for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and to tell others about it. Hopefully it gives us a little community. Hopefully it gives you all some extra tools in your tool bag, as we say in the Marine Corps, Uh, and hopefully it helps our country, even if just a little bit. Homestead is chilly. Uh, We went from, in a period of about 24 hours, (laughs) jeez. Somewhere between around 50 degrees, give or take, uh, temperature difference. And I know for some of y'all, I know when we were overseas in the desert, those temperature differences were insane. Uh, But that is not normal for this part of the world. Well, maybe it is. It doesn't feel normal when it happens, though. So anyway, uh, the animals are, I don't think they're real impressed. Pretty sure the garden is not real impressed, what's left of it. Uh, Nor are the dogs who are curled up in their dog houses. So hopefully wherever you are, you're warm. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the time to record this podcast, the people that listen to it. Share it, be with them and their families, guide them, bless them, protect them from evil, keep them safe, Lord. Help us to seek to spread your goodwill and good news around the world, not only at Christmas time but all throughout the year, each year. Help us to get our priorities in the right order, Lord. Forgive us when we don't, when we put other things before you, the things of the world, money, greed, selfishness, lust. Draw us close to you, Father, please. And God, my words here, in your son's name we pray, amen. going to go back into Franklin Roosevelt's Christmas messages. This one is from December the 24th, 1942. This year I am speaking on Christmas Eve, not to this gathering at the White House only, 
but to all of the citizens of our nation, to the men and women serving in our armed forces, and also to those who wear the uniforms of other United Nations. I give you a message of cheer. I cannot say Merry Christmas, for I think constantly of those thousands of soldiers and sailors who are in actual combat throughout the world. But I can express to you my thought that this is a happier Christmas than last year, in the sense that the forces of darkness stand against us with less confidence in the success of their evil ways. To you who toil in industry for the common cause of helping to win the war, I send a message of cheer that you can well continue to sacrifice without recrimination and with a look of Christmas cheer, a kindly spirit towards your fellow men. To you who serve in uniform, I also send a message of cheer that you are in the thoughts of your families and friends at home and that Christmas prayers follow you wherever you may be. To all Americans, I say that loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is not enough. That we as a nation and its individuals will please God best by showing regard for the laws of God. There is no better way of fostering goodwill toward man than by first fostering goodwill toward God. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. In sending Christmas greetings to the armed forces and merchant sailors of the United Nations, we include therein our pride in their bravery on the fighting fronts and on all the seas. But we remember in our greetings and in our pride those other men who guard remote islands and bases and will in all probability never come into active combat with the common enemy. They are stationed in distant places far from home. They have few contacts with the outside world. And I want them to know that their work is essential to the conduct of the war, essential to the ultimate victory, and that we have not forgotten them. It is significant that tomorrow, Christmas Day, our plants and factories will be stilled. That is not true of the other holidays we have long been accustomed to celebrate. On all other holidays, work goes on, gladly, for the winning of the war. So Christmas becomes the only holiday in all the year. I like to think that this is so because Christmas is a holy day. May all it stands for live and grow throughout the years. So, <laughs> there's a lot there, uh, just in this little message. And I think one of these paragraphs we'll talk about in just a second may be one of the most uh, profound out of all these Christmas messages and one of the ones that's most important for us as a nation today 
for a number of different reasons, but you can see the sense of hardship's not really the right word, but you know, this was the first year of the war. We had had some success by this point, but we had had a lot of failures too. And it still looked really dark. I mean, it looked, it's hard for us to imagine, folks, although the closer we get, at least here in America, to a civil war and some of the things you see around the country, there was a really good chance, as far as the people were concerned at this point, uh, that we might lose. And, and nobody knew what that was going to look like necessarily, but they knew it was going to be really bad. Uh, Churchill knew that for years in Britain. As Americans, it took us a little longer to figure out that this was not something that we could just stand on the sidelines and ignore. And that's really true today. We, we have stood on the sidelines, particularly as Christians, as a church in America, while those who follow after the world have promoted all these evils. And we've, we've had this attitude, and, and, and you understand it, folks. I understand it. You know, I just let people live the way they want to live. And, uh, you know, you do your thing and I'll do mine and we'll just leave each other alone. And, and I go back, it constantly pops into my mind when we're talking about this subject, the, the analogy that C.S. Lewis gave in Mere Christianity, which was a flotilla of ships, right? Or a convoy of ships and each ship represents an individual person. And so, you know, you think, okay, well, there's some bad stuff going on with this ship over here, but they're over there. They're not going to bother me. Well, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, you, there's so many ways that that's going to affect you. If that ship starts to steer incorrectly and starts to, get out of their lane, they could crash into you. That could cause devastating consequences. Or if that ship becomes so dysfunctional and so broken down that when the enemy attacks, they can't defend the convoy, then again, that's a devastating result for you. And so as, as logical sometimes <laughs> as it may seem, and I, I don't think it, it really is, isn't logical this live and let live. You want freedom and liberty. And there's a great article I haven't gotten to in this Founder's Bible yet talking about the difference between freedom and liberty. We use those words so interchangeably today, but they're not. Freedom is just, you know, doing whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, however you want. Liberty is freedom restrained, but not in a bad way. Liberty is the ability 
to do any good that you want. And we've allowed these, these evil ideas to just permeate our society at every level in this falsely noble sense of allowing others to live the way they want to live. And so now our little convoy of ships, you see all this destruction. You know, the perfect example is the family today and marriages. It doesn't take you long to figure out that once you start to have a breakdown of marriages in one part of the community, it has ripple effects like throwing a stone into a pond across the entire community. This paragraph here that's so important, and again, this is, I, I remember reading it last year. I probably could rattle around the, or dust the cobwebs in my brain and remember it reading two years ago. It just struck me, it strikes me every year when I read it. To all Americans, I say that loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is not enough. That we as a nation and as individuals will please God best by showing regard for the laws of God. There is no better way of fostering goodwill toward man than by first fostering goodwill toward God. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. And of course that last line there, in that paragraph from Roosevelt is straight out John fourteen fifteen, and Jesus Christ saying that if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? And what are his, his two greatest commandments? The second one is to love our neighbors as ourselves. But what's the first one? The first one is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and strength. And it's just, it's impossible to overstate the importance of this idea, paragraph, statement to our nation. We're a Christian nation. And no, that doesn't mean that you have to be Christian in order to be American. But what it does mean is if you don't follow the commands of Jesus Christ, if the vast majority, almost universally of our people, don't adhere to the commands of Jesus Christ, we're no longer a Christian nation. And there's some of y'all out there that are listening right now, I'm sure, that are going, well, that's not such a bad thing. You know, we don't want a theocracy. We don't want priests as rulers. That doesn't work out well at all. And, and I agree, that doesn't work out well at all. But that's not what Roosevelt's talking about here. And that's not the way our founders set up our republic. And that's not why we're a Christian nation. We're a Christian nation because our founding generation 
voluntarily chose to follow the commands of Jesus Christ in setting up their government. No, that doesn't mean that everybody followed Jesus Christ. No, that doesn't mean that those who did followed him perfectly. That's impossible. No, that doesn't mean that we didn't make some bad mistakes. But this idea of relativism, this, well, I'm still better than that guy over there. I don't, I don't have to follow Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm still all right. You know, as a nation, we're still way better than those countries over there. Well, why? Why? Why are we so great? What makes us or has made us in the past such a great nation? And it's those principles of Jesus Christ that we chose to weave into the founding of our country. And, and Roosevelt, you know, it, you can't help but notice that, that the war is really dark right now for our nation and, and for the Allies. And when it's really dark, what does Roosevelt turn into? I mean, this is explicit. There's nothing implied here. The Bible verse is straight out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. This is a message to all Americans. He's telling them flat out, you loving your neighbors yourself, even though that, that ideal is so high. It's so, how many times do we look at people around us and we know that they need help and we don't want to because we're uncomfortable or because we're selfish or for whatever reason. If you're being honest right now, those of y'all that are listening, you know that that's more often than you would like. And that's standard. So that standard's already hugely hard to achieve on a day-to-day -day basis. And what's Roosevelt saying? And Roosevelt was not a perfect man, and he knew it, folks. You read a little bit about Roosevelt, there were some, definitely some skeletons in his closet. And yet he's saying it's not good enough. We're in the middle of a war. There's a chance we may lose everything. We have evil. You notice that he calls it evil. He doesn't, he doesn't pretend that something that's evil isn't evil at this point. He doesn't call it good. He doesn't try and whitewash it. He says flat out it's evil. Little side note here, folks. The core values of the modern American leftist citizen that they vote for, that they support by their actions, their money, their time, they're evil. And that's all you really have to say about them. But so he acknowledges this evil, all of this darkness, and he says, hey, this really high standard here, it's not good enough. You've got to go one better. You've got to go one better. You've got to follow Jesus Christ's first command. That we as a nation, not as individuals, folks, not in the privacy of our own homes, not in our private lives, as a nation publicly and as individuals, will please God best by showing regard for the laws of God. 
There is no better way of fostering goodwill toward men than by first fostering goodwill toward God. To all Americans, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves is not enough. This is the heart and soul of our nation, folks. This, I, this again, this is one of those quotes that I could do every single day. This is one of the things that we need steered into our hearts and our minds. This is one of the things that ought to be taught to every grade level in every public school. Bare minimum once a year. They ought to spend time breaking down this paragraph in particular of this speech from 1942 when our back was against the wall. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.